Hello and welcome to Yollywood Land Podcast, Episode 5. This week, we're talking with Ian Deaton, an Atlanta music scene veteran and independent film composer. You've heard his compositions in fake wood wallpaper films such as The Arbalist, A is for Alex, and Congratulations. We're still open for submissions for the 2017 Yollywood Film Festival through the end of July, so get those films finished up and submitted before it's too late. Use the fee waiver code PODCAST on Film Freeway for a 30% discount on submission fees through the end of the month. This week's episode is a little longer than usual as Ian walks us through the history of genre films made in Georgia from the 1940s through the 1990s. So buckle up and follow along with the list we're referencing via the link in the show notes. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Ian Deaton. So this is quite a list that you've sent me. Yes. We're looking at a list. We're going to put the link in the liner notes. Yeah, I'm link sure. will be in the liner Please notes. Do. Not the liner notes. This isn't an album. Could be, though. <laughs> All right, we're going to put the link in the show notes so the listeners can follow along with us here. But um, Ian's here to talk to us about Georgia, Georgia's history in genre films. Yes. What does that mean exactly? Uh, well, I don't know the, the Webster's Dictionary um, version, but after, you know, a lifetime of being a huge dork, uh, basically it's anything that's easily definable as a genre like um for some reason drama doesn't tend to be uh in that definition but usually it's anything that can be easily defined as like action horror comedy sci-fi uh you know fantasy fantasy thriller, exactly yeah and then obviously you have little subgenres within that but anything that has like like a uh, just something that i think uh it can kind of be, it can easily be interchanged sometimes with exploitation film. Like, obviously, exploitation cinema is something that is literally meant to exploit the audience. Any kind of premise or whatever that can get butts in seats, whether it's a good movie or not. And obviously, it's one of those things where it's like not all, you know, uh, genre films are exploitation films, but all exploitation films are genre films or whatever. So, yeah, just anything that can be easily defined, I think. Um, obviously something like Gone with the Wind would not be a genre film, but, uh, something like Road Warrior absolutely would be a genre film. So it seems like it's has something to do with the filmmaker's intent uh, to live up to the tropes and within the genre. Absolutely. I think you hit it on the head. It's just a set of tropes for each little bucket and sometimes people play with them and sometimes people do not and... Then they're boring. And <laughs> I feel like they tend to be like B-movies, too. It's like stuff that the studio could make a little cheaper and have a kind of fun, sensational poster and mm-hmm. tack it onto a screening of something else. Absolutely. <laughs> so was... Georgia's got a really long history of this. Yes. This list kind of blew my mind. Like, it starts in the 40s? Uh, actually, 1910. Whew. Yeah. Just per the list. That's what it says. <laughs> And the list is uh, just a IMDb search for films that were shot in Georgia. Is there any other parameters? I found it on accident because I was trying to find a list exactly like this. Um, and I was just, you know, fell down an internet rabbit hole one day. 
and I stumbled on. I think I was looking up Billy Bob Thornton's uh, IMDb because I know he's got like I think I guess he's from the South originally. I don't know where, but I think I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna I guess think, he's from Arkansas. Yeah, there you go. That seems good right. Guess. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> um, a name like Billy Bob sounds Arkansas to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. But um, I know that like a lot of filmmakers that were raised in the South, um, once they get out to um, Hollywood land, they usually a lot of times try to bring stuff back here and make films. And that's how I found out about the list. I was looking at his filmography, and there was a movie called Jane Mansfield's Car, which I know some people that have worked with worked on that movie. And I was just looking at it. And then when I looked in the filming locations, it was like... I can't remember what cities they shot in, but one of them just said Georgia, USA. And I was like, oh, shit, like, not Atlanta, but Georgia. And when I clicked on it, it was like, blah, like, huge master list. And instead of before, when I would click Atlanta or Conyers or Decatur, this one had, like, five or 6,000 listings. And I was like, oh, shit. And then I clicked specifically because you can define how the list um, drops down, um, whether it's by release year or popularity or whatever. And I did release year, and obviously it started with the most recent thing, and then I was like, no, fuck that, turn it upside down. And then it started at the beginning, and then I was like, ah, like Excalibur. Yeah. (laughs) I found it. Um, And so then I just started crawling through it, and I was like blown away by how many movies I didn't know that I loved had been made here or partially made here, and then also a ton that I didn't know anything about and even weird subgenres and little uh, kind of like trends in Southern filmmaking and Hollywood filmmaking that I had no no idea about. Yeah. So the actual number is 6,086 titles filmed here in Georgia. Uh, it's quite a hefty uh, catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with the 1910 film, as you mentioned, uh, King Cotton yeah. documentary short, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure is loaded. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, <laughs> let's just not talk about that one. <laughs> I'm sure there's a few in the beginning that are like, yeah, let's, you know. As yeah. most films <clears throat> probably were in the early 1900s. Yeah. Um, we can skip right on over that. Yeah. Uh, we could We could probably do a whole podcast about that movie. In particular, sure. <laughs> How potentially problematic it might be, but we don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not. Yeah. So, <laughs> moving on from 1910's King Cotton and 1915's Cotton King. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they were like? Well, I was going to say in a race to get the mountain time, but somebody won. <laughs> <laughs> I like number two, Pushmobile race in Savannah, 1912. <laughs> they might not have been talking like that back then. Might have been later. I don't know. The transatlantic, what is it, the transatlantic accent? Is that what that is? The, the, hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. what that is. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, some other notable things to skip over here. Uh, Ty Cobb and Grantland Rice talk things over. Hmm. Uh, a 1930 short in which Ty Cobb demonstrates how to steal a base. Um, Military base, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Ty Cobb the terrorist, terrorist yeah. not the baseball player. Um, so yeah, things start to get interesting. It looks like uh, around 1940, yeah, we start to see some military uh, action romance dramas, yes, like Parachute Battalion, <laughs> and of course 1941 Swamp Water. Yes, that's a war see. movie. Uh, oh, this one looks like a crime drama. 
A hunter happens upon a fugitive and his daughter living in a Georgia swamp. He falls in love with the girl and persuades the fugitive to return to town. This sounds like the beginning of the era of redneck exploitation films, yes, which is absolutely a genre that uh, I was introduced to by Joe Bob Briggs ah. um, of Monster Vision fame, the former host of that show. He uh, did a show called Joe Bob's Redneck Night mm-hmm. that was just a complete history of the redneck portrayal in cinema Yeah, uh, that was so extensive it even went into the history of the redneck and where the redneck came from, specifically the Scots-Irish uh, you know, immigrating over here through Pennsylvania, down through the valleys of the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. It was very, very fascinating. But uh, it really opened the door to just how much redneck cinema there is out there. Yeah, quite um, a bit. So we made a lot of them here in Georgia. Yeah, a good deal of them certainly made in Georgia, at least partially. Well, people are fascinated with that like history of NASCAR kind of thing, where it's like you know, racing cars and making moonshine and marrying your cousins. Mm-hmm. Which I you know, it's only semi accurate. As a person who <laughs> I like as a person who comes from West Virginia, I, I try oh, to yeah. stay away from stereotypes, but I also feel that, you know, sometimes they they gotta come from somewhere. Yeah. So but they really <laughs> perpetuated with a lot of these movies. There's I feel like there's so many movies called like White Lightning or yes. White something Lightning. road. Yeah. yeah. Lightning Road. The Moonshine Run- or the Moon Runners, I think, is another one. Which I guess, if we go up the list, not to, sorry to interrupt. No, please. No, I was going to say. So, keeping in that vein, 1951's Birthright. Uh, a chicken farmer, John Lloyd, learns the importance of blood tests when he gives his pregnant wife, 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 uh, wife sorry, <laughs> wife, a dose of the clap after a one-night fling with a lonely waitress. Um, so that looks like, uh, as you mentioned earlier, it might have been a PSA slash uh, redneck exploitation film. Yeah. And certainly judging by the cover, um, which is from a Something Weird reissue DVD, um, which they specialize in, you know, re-releasing uh, obscure exploitation cinema, looks like that's exactly what it was. Um, and a lot of times, actually, I, I remember reading a book a while ago about exploitation cinema, and that was actually one of the things how exploitation filmmakers got away with making those films was they had what was referred to as the square up reel the final reel of the film like basically they would show you like you know whatever like 40 to you know 70 minutes of like craziness nudity like violence whatever and then of course in the last 15 minutes they were like but they went to prison and they paid for it and that's the way it goes sorry everybody <laughs> like, because they didn't believe in god or whatever <laughs> Um, and so I assume that this movie Birthright uh, is, uh, yeah, a, uh, what would you call that? A cautionary tale? Yes, thank you, exactly. It's almost like proto-exploitative, because at some point they realized they could skip that part. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to tell people how to feel. <laughs> yeah, wait, we don't need to have any redeeming qualities here. Yes. Um, then we get to a, uh, around 1952, a Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis uh, picture called Jumping Jacks, uh, which looks pretty interesting. Looks like a silly kind of slapstick comedy. Nightclub comic Hap Smith assumes the identity of... Oh, my phone's not loading. Another soldier so he can tour army bases. Then we got um, an adventure film called Lure of the Wilderness, um, which is uh, another red exploitation movie. And almost 
a sub sub genre what I would call swamp exploitation, which <laughs> quite a bit of uh, movies made in Florida and Georgia that they filmed in the swamps down there, quite quite a few of those, which I guess is almost like a redneck exploitation uh, hybrid or whatever. Yeah, the kind of the uh, Southern comfort and yes, yeah, exactly, kind of the pinnacle. That's <clears throat> it's just such a great name. That's got to be a subgenre just because it sounds cool. Yeah, swamp exploitation. I love it. Where are those movies these days? They gotta come back, especially uh, now that jet skis are a thing. Yeah, <laughs> ooh, that would be good. A whole movie on jet skis in the swamp. Might have to make that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving up the list, uh, I'll try to. Looks like we got the Great Locomotive Chase in 1956, which is a Civil War uh, spy action adventure. Um, doesn't look like anybody I know of in the film, but either way. And that's based in reality. That's, uh, like on the, like, theft of the general during the Civil War, Uh, I think, yeah. I had no idea. And we got Old Yeller. Wow, I did not know that that was, uh, made here partially or completely. That seems like it's got some exploitative elements in it, too. Oh, yeah. It's not your, it's not a genre film, but certainly... It's a yeah, dog exploitation. <laughs> yeah, and then I feel like family and children's films. Not all of them are exploitation films, but there certainly are some that were made by exploitation companies. When they're like, "Oh yeah, if we make a movie where the entire thing is animals talking, like that's gonna we're gonna make a million bucks." Like, yeah, let's it's go like, ahead and do it. Just dub the whole thing. It's yeah. cheap. Yeah. You don't have to pay kids as much. Exactly. Don't barely have to pay the animals. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. have to pay pig nothing. <laughs> Milo and Otis. I mean, that's a perfect example. We all know about that travesty. I heard oh yeah, about that I just recently. heard about this recently yeah. too. Uh, I don't even. I mean, off the subject, you know, I don't think that was made here. But I think man. it was made in like um, Japan or Korea, yes. and then they like dubbed it for American audience. For those who don't know, Milo and Otis was they had a lot of uh, casualties. Yeah, of dogs and cats. Yeah, they threw a lot of cats in rivers in that movie. Uh, yeah. Dogs and cats died by the dozens, apparently, yeah. on this production. It, I remember the first time I ever heard about that, Dudley Moore, because he does the the VO in that movie, and he was on, like, Johnny Carson or something, I can't remember, some night talk show, and I remember uh, him, he was, like, on almost like a publicity tour denouncing the film, and he asked his name to be removed from the credits, but they wouldn't let him. And he was like talking on the show, and they were like, you know, why would you be involved with the film? He's like, I didn't, I wasn't on set. I didn't know what they were doing. They just asked me to dub the movie. And then as I started to look into the production, and he, I remember him saying something like, in the waterfall scene alone, like they killed like fifteen or twenty of the cats and dogs, like just trying Jeez. to get these shots because. Oh, you know, <laughs> well, we weren't rolling on that yeah. one. Is yeah, <laughs> another couple of. Pups in here. Yeah. Yeah, that cat looked too scared. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <Sorry>. Brutal. <laughs> so I think probably the most notable one in the list, like as far as like, you know, in the minds of the listeners, uh, would be Cape Fear uh, by Jay Lee Thompson. Um, was I don't know if the entire thing was filmed here, but at least partially in Georgia, which that surprised me. I had no idea. And then, as you mentioned later, the the Scorsese one was also yeah, especially with Cape Fear being a actual place not far from Georgia in North Carolina. Yeah, interesting that they brought it down here. Mm-hmm. So I think 
That seems to be like the first like legit thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then when we get to the mid to late 60s, that's when a huge boom of uh, looks like, um, well, I mean, you know, exploitation cinema had been going the whole time, but they really started to get pretty ridiculous with it. And that's when, as you said, they kind of let go of the whole morality thing. We got 1967's White Lightning Road, which is a stock car racing rivalry film. Um, And we got The Speed Lovers, another stock car racing movie. Um, a uh, John Wayne war film called The Green Berets. Um, it's another well-known one. That's a classic <clears throat> in the in the war movies. Yeah, that was early on in the Vietnam campaign, and that was one of the first Vietnam films. Oh, I did not know that. As you see, it looks kind of too like it's one of the first times where Georgia is taking place for another country. Ah, yeah. Because like mostly it's been like Texas or North Carolina or Florida or something. Yeah, yeah. Having been to South Vietnam, I can tell you that Georgia looks absolutely nothing like it. <laughs> it's humid there, right? That's like the same thing. It is quite humid. So then, if we skip up to the seventies, we've got Honey Britches and Swamp Girl, which um, both look like, uh, yeah. Kind of Those a, are two separate movies. It's uh, not like a yeah. a duo. Yeah, Honey Bridges and movie. Swamp Girl. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Got a yeah. Honey Bridges looks like a jewel heist uh, film. Another red red exploitation movie. Um, and then Swamp Girl, uh, kind of a seems like a feral child story. Um, kind of like a black steak moan. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking at that. It does look like something like that. Unfortunately, we have not seen most of these movies because they're they're obscure. They're so numerous. Yeah. The next one that um, comes up that is of much note is uh, 1972's Deliverance. Oh, yes, absolutely. And that is actually when I don't know. I assume since we're looking at this list, we would know. But that is when Burt Reynolds specifically began his romance uh, with... Uh, Atlanta and the state of Georgia because obviously he made a lot of movies here um, and in Florida because I don't know why I don't know anything about Burt Reynolds or his uh, like decisions career-wise but I do know that he kind of was sort of trying to it seemed like escape Hollywood in terms of work because he made uh, obviously Smokey and the Bandit 1 and 2 here in um, also uh, I think I think the movie White Lightning I might be wrong and Gator. Mm-hmm. Um, Gator <clears throat> so partially shot here. And um, Sharky's, Sharky's Machine. Yes, Sharky's Machine, which... Uh, shot entirely here in Atlanta. Yes, beautiful, wonderful movie, um, which I was reading about recently. It, uh, he was really good friends with uh, Clint Eastwood, and they had kind of a rivalry going on filmmaking-wise, and he said that uh, when, early on in the production, they were calling Sharky's Machine Dirty Harry in Atlanta. And that was kind of what he was going on. I happen to personally really love um, uh, a genre that's not really known by a lot of uh, Americans. It's called Policia Teshi, which is uh, just Italian crime films. Like um, when stuff like Dirty Harry, The Godfather, French Connection came out in Europe, they like made an insane amount of money. So the Italians started to kind of do their own uh, brand of that, these really kind of hard-boiled uh, crime films. Um, they're amazing, a lot of them. Uh, but anyways, after watching an insane amount of those, and then a couple years later, Sharky's Machine comes out, it has 
an insane amount of tropes out of those films. I don't know if that's because Burt Reynolds was watching that or he was just influenced by the same cinema that they were. But I would like to believe that he watched a bunch of Policia Teshi movies and was like influenced by them because they all feature some mustachioed like dude that wears a suit, you know, driving around like, uh, you know, beating the shit out of uh, prisoners, not really following the law and wrecking, driving cars into a lot of buildings um, with like usually a funk or uh, jazzy kind of soundtrack um, and featuring particularly ruthless killers. And this movie has a Sharky's Machine has a lot of that. Yeah, Sharky's Machine has a really great score, and it also has the uh, like longest stunt fall. Yes, of like any film. Still, it was uh, the movie supposed to take place at the Petrie Plaza, the Western Hotel downtown, but it's actually at the Hyatt Regency. Um, but it's like some insane amount. Like the guy like jumped from the top of the building essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, uh, he jumps out of one of the windows of the uh, the Western and. It's a great shot. Yeah, it's really it's a really cool movie. Uh, I think John Borman is what brought him to Georgia. Okay, and I think in part of it was um, you know the the author James Dickey lived here, and that's that why they did it. Deliverance. He's act James Dickey's in the movie. Okay, and apparently he was such a pain in the ass on set that they like <laughs> had to just like make him go away. Wow. Um, but he's the sheriff in the end of the movie, ah. um, and they were going to flood the town that Deliverance is filmed in. That's yeah, another interesting thing. But then um, when uh, I think maybe it's Gator, uh-huh. um, or maybe it's Sharky's Machine, um, whichever was Burt Reynolds' first directorial movie, um, he asked John Borman to direct it, and he was like, why don't you just do it? And yeah. He, and now we have all of these hard-boiled crime Burt Reynolds movies. Yeah. I've, long, I've always been interested in, uh, in Burt Reynolds' love affair with Georgia, it seems, because like he, he came in because of John Borman and fell in love with it, opened a nightclub here in Atlanta. And, I forgot about that. Uh, and then at some point had a falling out and decided to pack up and leave and never come back. Yeah, and he uh, went to Jupiter, Florida. Oh, is that, that right? He opened a studio there and then made a bunch of movies in Florida. Tie into our Marcus Rosentrader episode about Florida. We talked we about, talked yeah, about Jupiter, Jupiter a little bit on that. Yeah, too. and that was one of the reasons why he made the 90s... Uh, kid cop movie do y'all remember that they filmed it in saint pete in tampa i remember when i was living there uh as a teenager i want to say it was like post kindergarten cop was it cop and of, a half yes cop and that a was half. it and yes. he filmed that in florida and i remember when it was being filmed i remember my stepmom being like there's some burt reynolds movie that in town <laughs> and i got really excited and then i saw the movie i was like no you could have been that kid i could have been that kid i think that kid did an excellent job though he was i remember watching that movie and well, it wasn't great, but the kid was good. Before we get too far away from the subject of the uh, Italian crime movies, um, I don't know if you are aware, there is a documentary called Eurocrime. Yes, uh, Mike... Uh, Mike Malloy is Malloy, a local yeah. guy who awesome. produced and directed it. I, I love that movie. I think I, it's incredible. Yeah, I, th- I figured if you hadn't seen it, you should have. So, yeah, of course, I mean, it's on like, top of that. It's like four hours long or something like that, and I... I'm, most people would be like, why would you watch? I fucking loved every minute of it. I, yeah, I could not get in. I learned an incredible amount watching that movie. But the interesting thing is, that which this actually ties back in, strangely enough, is at some point in the 70s, an Italian filmmaker came here. I, same thing. I have no idea why, um, but they did, and that opened up this weird... Uh, I'd have to... F- 
find the filmmaker's name. Are you talking about The Visitor? Uh, well, yes, I want to talk about that, definitely. But it looks like in 1974, I, there might be a, one earlier than that. There's a movie called Sistemo America Eterno, which I think means I fix America and then return, or go. I fixed America and went back, um, uh, starring Paolo Villaggio. Um, the movie is one of those things where it doesn't even have a review, like I don't, so I don't know what the movie's about at all. But for some reason, in 1974, an Italian company came here and filmed a, like a it looks like a sex comedy based on the the poster. And uh, Italian sex comedies were very popular in the early to mid 70s. Um, and then after you pass up that, um, even though I know we were just talking about Italians, I want to say Cockfighter by Monty Hellman, produced by Roger Corman. Excellent movie, stars Warren Oates. It's based on a novel, amazing uh, red and exploitation film, but because it's Monty Hellman and he's super into Kurosawa and, um, you know, the French New Wave, he adds that bizarre, like, dreamlike state to this film. So if anybody wants to watch, like, one of the best red and exploitation films, highly recommend Cockfighter by Monty Hellman starring Warren Oates. It's not what you would think at all. I mean, the premise is pretty depressing. It's like a about a drunk cockfighter that just constantly fucks everything up because he's an asshole. But um, it's very kind of hallucinatory, and because he's so drunk all the time, you kind of fade in and out of reality. It's really great movie. Sounds cool. Also uh, featuring Harry Dean Stanton and Ed Begley Jr. Yes. As well. Yes. I was going to say a young Harry Dean Stanton, but he wasn't even quite that young back in the yeah. day. <laughs> He's been 65 for about 40 years. I actually so. looked him up recently. Um, Harry Dean Stanton uh, is from Kentucky, where they have a Harry Dean Stanton festival, I just learned what? recently, uh, every year. And I was, I was intrigued by that and looked him up, and he is a lot older than I thought. He was born in 1926. What? So right? yeah, wow. so he was still acting. Sorry. A young Harry Dean Stanton in '74 was almost 50 years old. <laughs> um, I guess we're gonna skip around enough because this list is. But it looks like then we come up on another Burt Reynolds movie. This time directed by Robert Aldridge or Aldridge. I'm sorry. Um, the Longest Yard. Everybody knows that one. Um, uh, I've never seen that movie, so honestly, I don't have anything. I haven't to say seen it either, it. either. But I mean, it's like a prison football movie. That's pretty. I did see the remake. Yeah, saw the remake. Yeah, uh, with Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you see Burt thinking... Reynolds slap somebody at the premiere of it? No. <laughs> did that happen? Yes. Burt Reynolds. Yeah, it was something else to look up. Classy. So. Classy move. Um. A real quick little uh, backpedal, but then we can move forward in the list. In 1973, um, looks like uh, Bob Kelgen made Scream, Blackula Scream here in Georgia, which is uh, the sequel to the black exploitation film Blackula, um, starring William Marshall. And then, of course, uh, I assume because of that, uh, we have another horror film that was made here, um, looks like about the same kind of aesthetics. Uh, the House on Skull Mountain, um, another black exploitation horror movie. Uh, it says murders occur at the southern estate of a voodoo priestess when four relatives gather to hear the reading of a will. Um, so it's got kind of a sort of a, and then there were none kind of clue sort of premise. A bunch mm-hmm. of strangers show up and then mayhem ensues. Um, 
seems like the early 70s were uh, there was a lot of fear of voodoo. Yes. Ignorance. Judging by this list alone, <laughs> of course. Um, and then we got um, move up a little bit to another redneck exploitation movie, Moon Runners, which is uh, a moonshine movie about you know some good old boys trying to outrun the law. A big thing about um, redneck exploitation movies is the the villain is often uh, like the mob. Yeah, it's always it's always just you know small groups of southern individuals up against organized crime and yeah. it's either often there's the sheriff and the law and also the mob the mafia that is competing with their interests yeah. so it's kind of a a three-way battle royale a, a lot of times <laughs> i've also got um a uh sydney poitier directed uh comedy um uh let's do it again unfortunately starring uh the uh the Bill Cosby, unfortunately. It's, uh, yeah. It's weird. Now everything that involves him, I unfortunately want to have nothing to do with Just because I feel it. like it's like a movie. St- I feel like because of what has happened, uh, it's almost like Jeffrey Dahmer had a film career, and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, I separate can't the art from the artist. <laughs> do this. He's just. So let's. Uh... <laughs> Let's go forward here. Moving right along. Yeah. Um, we, oh, I was going to say really quick, then we have the post-Jaws um, uh, kind of uh, wild animal uh, cycle of uh, horror movies, which, again, yeah, all came out after Jaws. Um, a North Georgia Mountain uh, movie uh, directed by William Girdler starring Christopher George um, and Andrew Prine uh, called Grizzly about a... Um, wild, violent grizzly bear um, attacking people and killing them in a state park in North Georgia. Um, I've never seen that film. It sounds awesome. Um, but it sounds awesome, and it's. I remember watching it at Videodrome one time, and customers were, like, freaking out about it. Really liked it a lot. It's an 18-foot-tall grizzly bear. Ugh. That's pretty scary. I'm always scared <laughs> of, like, movies that could really happen. So. Yeah. Giant bear is pretty realistic, right? All right. Are you more terrified of one 18-foot tall grizzly bear or 18 one-foot tall grizzly bears? <laughs> one 18-foot tall grizzly bear. You just, like, kick the rest of them away. Oh, man. 18 of them would be too much. Yeah, I guess they could be, like, on you in a minute. If they were, like, little like little feral cats almost, you know? That would be pretty scary. Yeah, that'd be terrifying. <laughs> grizzly oh, yeah. too. Oh, uh, that makes me think of, like, the people who have, like, too many cats and they're, like, feeding the kittens and they're all just, like, climbing up them. Yeah, maybe I take that back. <laughs> I think the little bears. So then we have um, looks like a kind of um, Carrie uh, exploitation uh, film, Carrie style, called Kiss of the Tarantula about a disturbed teenage girl unleashing her pet tarantulas against her quote-unquote enemies. I guess maybe controlling them with her mind? Yeah. Sounds cool. Sounds cool. Tele-exploitation. Um, yeah. <laughs> Tele- <laughs> Psycho-kinetic-exploitation. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I think that's reaching. Yeah. <laughs> Psych-exploitation. And then, of course, we have another horror film called Squirm uh, in 1976, um, which I assume is uh, about worms. Uh, it seems to be millions of man-eating worms. Oh, there we go. And then we arrive at Gator. Burt Reynolds directed, as you mentioned earlier. 
That one would be his debut. Here we go. We enter the Burt Reynolds era. That's right. I also encourage everyone to look up pictures of Burt's Place, his nightclub. Uh, there's like all of these like amazing stained glass um, windows and like the dance floor all have like a mosaic version, mosaic version of Burt Reynolds' face. What? <laughs> it was in the Omni Hotel. Wow. Oh, I thought it was in Underground. Oh, was it in? I, I think it was in the Omni. Now that you said Omni, when you say Omni, I think that's right. Yeah. Ever the Omni was like the place to be. That's where like the visitor takes place and stuff. It uh. was probably before Kenny's Alley's era. Yeah. So then before th- they blew it up. I think we can, you know, th- if we could spend we could do so many podcasts, we're going to have to skip a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um but since we're talking about Burr Reynolds, of course, we have uh one of the greatest redneck exploitation movies ever made, Smokey and the Bandit in 1977, directed by stuntman Hal Needham. Obviously, starring Sally Field, Burt Reynolds, great movie, filmed in Georgia. It's awesome. That was, uh, Joe Bob Briggs argues, the best film ever made. Ah. Not just the best Southern, best redneck, but that's the best movie that has ever been made. Very nice. (laughs) It is a pretty great movie, and it is in that era where, like, America fell in love with, like, trucking. Yeah. And trucker culture. Yes. It was like, Convoy was a really popular song, and... Uh, Smokey and the Bandit, and uh, well, later in the eight, it lasted into the eighties with like over the top. I mean, it's likely yeah. like that probably that came about because that's when trucks probably superseded trains at that point for moving things around and driving the economy. Mm-hmm. Why do you got to tie it in all smart like that? I well, mean, why you got to be so smart, Mike? <laughs> well, I thought that's what podcasts were for. No, that's correct. <laughs> it's cool too because obviously, uh, how many were there? Three Smoking the Bandit films, I believe. I think mm-hmm. so, yeah. And then obviously, um, uh, which we'll call it, you mentioned Convoy by Sam Peckinpah. Or were you talking about the song? I can't. Either. Oh, either I was one. talking about the song, but oh, yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, you got the 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 uh, movie that obviously Sam Peckinpah took because. He at that point, you could tell that that was not a passion of his, and he was just like, "I'll fucking do it for the money." Right. Um, uh, yeah. So that Smokey and the Bandit kind of jumped off this huge cycle of you know trucker uh, kind of redneck exploitation movies that lasted yeah well into the eighties. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you. Kind of finally, its last gasp was uh, over the top um, with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, which is a hilarious and awesome movie yeah Yeah, it seems like the like trucker movies too like that story is an updated version of all of the like stock car like with you know moonshine movies absolutely because they're running beer aren't they yeah yeah yeah, exactly okay you're right so it is it does absolutely has a lot of those tropes yeah Mm -hmm. according to movies Coors was illegal here sure (laughs) well that actually was true it was not you were not able to sell it East of the Mississippi. Wow. And then Burt Reynolds well, had to make a statement about that, I guess. No, don't. I mean, hell need him, I That's guess. his p- PSA. Yeah. This is messed up. I want this banquet beer. You need this beer to, your beer to be cold as the Rockies. <laughs> so because of that, and because we're talking about this, we can skip ahead a little bit. There are some notable things, but if you're listening at home, you can do your own research. Okay. Um, go straight to Dukes of Hazard, which was another thing that was extremely popular and obviously kind of rode that wave uh, television-wise. Same kind of, you know, tropes of crazy outlaws that just don't fit in, man, and they want to go fast, <laughs> um, and a bumbling sheriff uh, going after them. Which, strangely, Boss Hogg was one of Quentin Tarantino's acting teachers um, in Los Angeles, and he... Uh, 
Quentin Tarantino is obsessed with this movie called Rolling Thunder, which if you all have not watched, highly recommend. It's excellent. It's got um, William Devane, Linda Haynes, and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, is written by, uh, oh, God, why can't it? guy who wrote Taxi Driver in um, Last Temptation of Christ. Oh. Um, uh, he's like one of the most famous screenwriters ever. Why am I forgetting his name right now? Paul Schrader? Yes, thank you. Paul Schrader. Okay, so Paul Schrader, I, if I remember correctly, had been fired from his film critic job by Pauline Kael for various reasons, and he was very depressed, drinking all the time, and he said he was basically becoming Travis Bickle, um, and like, you know, hadn't actually lashed out on anybody violently, but was like, I had these demons in my head and I needed to get them out. And he wrote Taxi Driver and Rolling Thunder within like a six month period. And most people, unfortunately, Rolling Thunder doesn't get lumped into that. Uh, but it always, the story always stops at Taxi Driver. But Rolling Thunder, if you watch it, they're two very different films, but they're great because they're like weird, bizarro versions of each other. And actually, in the script for Rolling Thunder, um, Travis Bickle makes an appearance in the script, um, but uh, John Flynn did not put that in the movie. Um, but anyways, to tie this back in, it's another Southern film. Um, it was actually filmed in Texas, but either way, uh, that was the whole reason that um, Quentin Tarantino found out about that movie was his acting coach was Boss Hogg, and he said, hey, I was in this weird crime drama that was written by Paul Schrader. Check it out sometime, blah, blah. It's a great movie. Anyways... Interesting. Sort of doesn't tie in what we're talking about, but I don't know if Quentin Tarantino's ever been to Georgia. But yeah. yeah, he he. Okay, I have no <laughs> confirmation of this, but my um, music partner told me that uh, some people have seen him around Little Five Points, and then I was like, "How is that possible?" And then someone said that he bought a house in Inman Park. Huh. So I don't know why. Shows what I know. But. He's a millionaire, so I mean, you know, I'm sure he's got houses all over the place. So. Yeah. Yeah, might as well. Instead of an Airbnb, you just buy yeah. a house. Yeah, you just buy a house. I mean, Ben Affleck bought a house down in uh, Savannah or somewhere around there and now is trying to build a studio out there. I guess because he's tired of Hollywood, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, wants to do Georgia. All right, so this brings us to 1979, The Visitor. Yes. Which we touched on a little bit. Amazing movie. Um, and then Wise Blood's the next on the list. Two great movies. Oh, yeah, John. And both movies feature John Huston in some capacity. John Huston is in uh, The Visitor. That's right. As, as well as Sam Peckinpah, actually. Got to think that there's something related to that, that he was here making Wise Blood, and The Visitor caught wind of him and tagged him to have a cameo. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have a funny story. I was working on a country croc commercial uh, in Freedom Park, um, and one of the camera assistants was, we were at lunch, and they were talking about, everybody's telling silly stories, and this guy had been here f- since the 70s. I do not remember his name at all. Um, but he worked on Smokey and the Bandit 1 and 2, had some great stories about lying in a ditch, um, them setting up a haphazard ramp so they could drive the tr- uh, cars over, and him and his brother laid down in the ditch with the camera, and he pulled focus while they just shot up, and you know, no safety precautions. They didn't even rehearse it. They just did it. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, he worked on The Visitor, and he has a story about being on set the day that Sam Peckinpah was there. And he said that, um, so they got the whole set ready to go. They were ready to shoot. Sam Peckinpah was late to set, so they start doing the 
is trying to film as much of the scene as they can. Um, he finally gets on the set. He's a complete wreck. He's got the DTs. He's shaking. He's screaming at everybody. He's not even directing the movie. Um, and telling the crew what to do. And uh, they kept, you know, not moving forward. The ADs are like, what's going on? Like, we got to go. Come on, come on. Um, finally, Sam Peckinpah's doctor arrives with medical-grade cocaine um, and injects him. And then oh my God. he's ready to shoot the scene. And then if you watch The Visitor, you'll notice that his voice is clearly ADR'd or whatever the equivalent was at the time, uh, dubbed, because he was saying a lot of really sexually inappropriate things to his co-star in that scene, which is very disturbing. Off the script. Yeah, off the script. He was basically hitting on her while they were rolling, and she was like, I can't fucking do this anymore. And so they got what they could out of the scene, and then that was it, and he went home and did not return, according to the story that I heard. Wow. So... We have to do verify that independently, I guess. <laughs> um, do what you will with that information. <laughs> well, that brings us to the 80s. Yes. Well, uh, the first one I'm seeing here of note is Gorp. The, oh, yeah. Which uh, introduces an era of camp movies, both in campiness and in subject matter of being at a camp, um, filmed here in Georgia. Is it named after the trail mix? I would assume that it is. Or maybe the trail mix was named Good after Good old raisins movie. and peanuts. <laughs> Got Dennis Quaid. Is that what that stands for? Yeah. Good old raisins and peanuts. <laughs> that's what it means. That's what I, that's what I truly learned today. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, I assume, I, I don't know that this is the case, but I know that several other camp movies were filmed up at, or in Rutledge, Georgia, ah. um, which is the home of um, a summer camp now. I think it's called Camp Rutledge. Um uh, but that was also the same location for Friday the 13th, Part 6. Yes, and, uh, oh, geez, now, of course, because I'm on the spot. Um, what is, it was a slasher film. There was three or four sequels. The first one was filmed in upstate New York. Um, Sleepaway Camp mm-hmm. 2 and 3 were also filmed at that same location. Wow. Uh, and I don't know which one came first. You gotta wonder if it's the same as same camp as Gorp, the not slasher camp movie. Yeah. Made here a slapstick in comedy about the wacky antics of a group of waiters at a Jewish summer camp in upstate New York. I think this is kind of the uh, the basis for what Hot American Summer, what they were kind of yes. lampooning, was <laughs> probably this. Judge by, judging by that. Um, right behind Gorp, we have Cannibal Apocalypse. Yes, filmed in Decatur, primarily. Classic. By Antonio Margariti, um, who did a bunch of really amazing movies, of course, all of which I cannot think of right now, um, was also uh, name-dropped in the film Inglorious Bastards. If you remember when Hans Landa is basically fucking with Eli Roth and uh, Brad Pitt when they're in the theater and they're obviously got a plot, they're going to kill Hitler, but... Hans Landa's just messing with him, and he asks him what their name is, and Eli Roth says, Antonio Margariti. Oh, yeah. That's what he was referencing, this filmmaker. Nice. Who did Cannibal Apocalypse, a cannibal-slash-zombie movie made in Decatur uh, in 1980. Also, uh, he did Your. Oh, yeah, the, the kind of Conan uh, uh, The Hunter off. from the Future. Yes. I do remember <laughs> that one from my Your childhood. Hunter of the Future. How was that spelled? Y-O-R. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Sounds right up my alley. 
And then, of course, next on the list, um, I assume because of the visitor, it's it seems like at some point, uh, I can't remember, uh, yeah, after that Italian sex comedy in the early 70s, I would assume they communicated with other Italian filmmakers like, yeah, it's really easy and cheap to shoot there. It's better than going to Chinachita, so let's, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So then we, of course, one of my favorites that was made here, City of the Living Dead, um, also known as The Gates of Hell, directed by Lucio Fulci, mm -hmm. um, which is a kind of H.P. Lovecraftian uh, zombie horror movie about a priest um, that uh, commits suicide um, and then... Uh, opens a gate to hell in Savannah, Georgia. Um, I think actually technically in the movie, it's in the fictional uh, town of um, Dunwich. Dunwich. Yeah, I'm pretty yes. sure it takes place in huh. Dunwich, but they filmed it in Savannah. So we got some, uh, let's see here. Smoking the Bandit 2, of course. Another John Huston movie, Phobia, um, which is a thriller horror film. Uh, psychiatry, patients, I don't know. <laughs> Looks like we got uh, Hopscotch um, with Walter Matthau, an adventure comedy, which I've never seen. I know Criterion reissued it at some point. Oh, that's a Criterion, huh? I've, yeah. I'm not familiar with that one either. But Escape, to, Escape from New York, which we talked about oh, yes. before we started re recording today, uh, is definitely one not to skip. Well, the portion that's filmed in Atlanta isn't even in the movie. Yeah. You can look it up on uh, YouTube, but they filmed it in what was then the brand new Peachtree Center Station yes. and, as a part of MARTA. And it's kind of like an alternate ending to the movie. It, I'm trying to remember exactly because I watched the – yeah, it's, it was an alternate beginning. Beginning, to the film. yes. Okay, sorry. But they, they felt – John Carpenter felt like it made Snake Plissken look like – you know, weak or whatever, so he didn't want to put it in the movie. Made him look like he had feelings it's and not too human. A total nihilistic uh, asshole. So that we <laughs> love. made him look not cool. Yeah, You're like nah, dude. Let's move on to uh, actually a film that I think is excellent, and I'm gonna. It's not a big one, but I. Um, a, it's a a UK um, horror film called The Cinder uh, by Roger Christian. Um, it's got this guy. I don't know how to pronounce his name. But I would pronounce Zelko Ivanik. Um, you once you look at a picture of him, you'll recognize him. He's kind of like a character actor. It's been a lot of movies, but anyways, this is also a post uh, Carrie kind of firestarter um, psychic horror movie about a telepathic guy that essentially um, sends out his visions to other people that are around him. And I highly, highly recommend the movie if you're a horror or thriller fan or sci-fi. It's a really fucking great movie that was shot um, in England and then partially here in the state of Georgia. Cool. Really good. Uh, Grizzly 2, The Concert, is a what? pretty exciting-looking <laughs> movie. Uh, wow. All hell breaks loose when a giant grizzly, reacting to the slaughter of grizzlies by poachers, attacks at a massive big band rock concert in the National Park. Was super hoping it was going to be 18 mini bears. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. I have looked at this list so many times I've never seen that. Yeah. Or was it? Is it that like country bear jamboree? <laughs> like the horror version of yeah. it? <laughs> that sounds incredible. The Big Chill also there, uh, record, oh, which was that. a house in Little Five Points actually, oh. right on Colquitt. Shit. Uh, wow. Like, that's the house where they're in. Um, just happened to know that. Lamberto Bava, which is Mario Bava's son, um, directed a kind of Rambo ripoff called Blast Fighter um, in uh, 
to Georgia Woods in 1984. Um, I just felt like that was worth mentioning. Uh, and then, of course, let's go for a, a very big, notable one. Um, Summer Rental, starring John Candy, directed by Carl Reiner, who did The Jerk. Um, the film begins, and it actually, that's where the family lives, in, is in Atlanta. And then, of course, they go down to Florida for vacation. So, very funny movie. Cool. It actually contains one of the worst overdubs I've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> when the youngest daughter is asking her mom if she can go down into the uh, bottom of the ship and uh, play with an elderly man. And she says, Mommy, can I play with Yorku? But it sounds like John Candy dubbing his voice as like a six-year-old girl. <laughs> really disturbing. And actually, if you go onto YouTube and type in like worst overdub ever, ev- ever? Um, it's uh, <laughs> we'll overdub that. Yeah, we'll overdub that. Yeah, <laughs> um, it'll it'll come up along with like five other movies, but that's one of the ones, and it's it only takes like seventeen seconds or something. It's very short. It's really funny. Cool. <clears throat> that brings us to Legend. Yes, Ridley Scott, Mia Sarah, Tom Cruise, Tim Curry. I have no idea what Legend's about though. So <laughs> it is a. Um, yeah, it's just a it's a fantasy movie where there's like goblins and witches and demons and uh magic and stuff like that. Really great uh score by uh Tangerine Dream. And in the another version of the film, Jerry Goldsmith of Alien and Total Recall fame did an alternate score and then of course they just put it, you know, for whatever was more popular in the market, I guess. Mm. Um but uh yeah, that that movie I'm I st- yeah, I wish I knew the story behind why particularly uh, Legend was filmed in Agnes Scott. It kind of doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe he's looking for like daughter or schools for his daughters. <laughs> oh yeah, I was. I think I just think this is funny. Looking at the filming locations for Legend, it says Agnes Scott College, Silver Springs, Florida, Pinewood Studios. Four out of five people found it interesting that Agnes Scott, it was a location. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to that fifth Yeah, where's person? that one yeah. guy that's like, oh, boring. <laughs> this is bullshit. Unnecessary. <laughs> um, another one of note, which I actually have a small little story about. Um, Invasion USA, the Chuck Norris film, um, directed by Joseph Zito, who did one of the uh, Friday the 13th films. I do not, and he also did uh, a slasher movie called The Prowler, um, which is pretty great. Um, but anyway, so this guy David Blackburn, who worked on RoboCop Three, that I worked on. If anybody's listening, uh, yeah, David Blackburn's awesome, very nice person to work with. Anyways, he had a story um, about Invasion USA working on the film. Um, they shot it partially in. Uh, Avondale Mall, which is now where the Walmart is uh, on um, it's Memorial. Like Memorial and Columbia. Yeah, Memorial. Yes, exactly. Um, so there used to be a mall there. They shot most of the movie here. Um, but he, the way he described the story, they were shooting in East Atlanta and they were doing some kind of like thing in a Jeep, basically. They had a camera in the back of the jeep looking i believe over chuck norris's shoulder but i I haven't seen the movie for a while so i don't exactly remember what scene it is but anyways he worked on the entire thing but he said that um according to david they were shooting this scene and uh they you know did the take or whatever and then basically the director called cut 
And so they had a minute where they had to go around the corner. I don't know what part of East Atlanta. Um, but uh, David Blackburn <laughs> was like, decided to make some small talk with Chuck Norris and was like, so? And he's like, this is pretty fun, man. And he's like, so do you have anything good coming up? And he didn't mean it like as in like your work is crap. He just meant like, are you excited about any work coming up? And he said Chuck Norris was like, good. He got very defensive and angry. And then David Blackburn just kind of like was like, oh, shit. I just pissed off Chuck Norris. I don't know what to do. So he just kind of was quiet. And then that's. Not really that great of a story, but either way, <laughs> no, that's that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Like to, he pissed off Chuck Norris on the bad side. Um, and I I actually am familiar. I haven't seen the movie, but I have seen the clip because I was curious about it when I heard that there was a movie shot in East Atlanta uh, in 1985, and it's uh, I remember it's the stretch of Glenwood. Mm. Or no, I'm sorry, it's Flat, Flat Shoals. Shoals. Flat isn't Shoals. It where okay. Argosy is now. It's yeah, it's a shot of Flat Shoals going down, like from Argosy down by the Earl. Okay, that must have been it. And then yeah. they probably, I would imagine, turned on to Glenwood and came back around Moreland, and then that was probably the circle that they were going in for the yeah, shot. Yeah, because I remember you see like all the way down to the building where the SunTrust is. Oh, okay. So the parking lot's where he offended him. I guess so. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, <laughs> where was the offense? Apologies to our non-Atlanta listeners right now. Yes. I'm probably yeah. super bored by this geography. Some fun details. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun for us. Okay, um, which I would say we can. We talked about uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part uh, Six earlier, but I would like to skip to the 1986 uh, Silence of the Lambs prequel, Manhunter. Uh, did I say Michael Mann from 1986? which actually has Brian Cox uh, playing Hannibal Lecter, and I personally think he does a significantly better, more kind of like lower-key job. I think that was actually the first uh, movie that I saw Hannibal Lecter in, and it fucking scared the shit out of me. I was like seven or eight years old. I don't know why my mom showed me that at <laughs> that age. Um, and it made me literally, after I saw that movie, the serial killer in that film, um, Francis Dollarhide, um, who's played by a really awesome character actor named Tom Noonan. Um, he kills entire families in that movie. And I, f- from then on, after I saw his little kid, I literally went around every night and made sure all the windows and doors were locked in my house because that movie scared the shit out of me so bad. Yeah, what was he? He was called the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Wasn't? Yeah. So for his teeth a child. Yeah, that's so terrible. Well, also, he killed entire families, like, in the South. Like, in the book, it's, like, in Alabama and, like, Metro yeah, Atlanta. That's correct. And it, it's one of my dad's favorite books, so uh, I read uh, it Red too Dragon. young. Yeah. yeah, Red Dragon. And, like, saw, like, the beginning of the book is him, like, stalking a family in Metro Atlanta. And I was there like, this is my house. Like, oh, this yeah. is a very realistic thing. So when you went to the High Museum, did you have, like, flashbacks of terror? Because that's uh, one of the... the uh, scenes there when he, yeah. I think the like Chase asylum, the ramp. yeah, yeah, where Hannibal Lecter is housed is yeah. in the High Museum. Yeah, well, Graham <laughs> like gets freaked out by Hannibal Lecter and like runs down the ramp in the High. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, there's like that shot up of the like indoor atrium of the Hyatt. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the um, which I'm gonna call it. Uh, I went to a, a 35 millimeter screening at Emory a couple years ago where they they had a little festival where they were just showing movies made in Georgia, which is really awesome. Um, and they showed Manhunter, and it was cool because uh, the Emory film professor, like I guess the head of the film department, talked about it. He said a lot of things that I didn't know, um, and he specifically said that they shot mostly in the North Druid Hills neighborhood as well as the High and some other places. But when you're seeing the neighborhoods in the film, 
most of it is in North Druid Hills. There's also a scene where uh, Dennis Ferrana um, is his boss. Uh, he plays a Crawford. Character. Yes, Crawford. He plays Crawford. Um, they have an argument out on the street about Freddie Lowndes, the tabloid guy, and you can see Georgia State and the parking deck in the back. It's like on that road. There's they they're supposedly coming out of like an Atlanta PD uh, building, and then it gets in an argument out there. So another thing, if anybody lives in Atlanta and they're watching Manhunter. Um, they did not film the entire movie here. They filmed some in Florida, some in D.C., like a bunch of other places. Um, so all the, like, real locations in the book pretty much because, like, yeah, Will Graham lives in yeah. Florida, FBI headquarters, and then he goes and eats that painting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the craziest thing I think I've ever read. Oh, he eats the William Blake painting. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, I, in the book. Yeah. It was a, what a, quite a shock. This is, that was, I tell you what, actually, this is a story, and this involves Georgia filmmaking. I was working on... Um, I can say this now because it's been so long, I will not get in trouble. I was working on a, an MTV film called uh, My Super Psycho Sweet 16. It was one of the... I had worked on some stuff before, but I feel like that kind of was my first real job. Um, and uh, anyways, it was a blast to work on. I was an intern in the camera department. And uh, because I wasn't getting paid, you know, I kind of came and went as I pleased, but I, I worked really hard and tried to you know, help my friends out, but uh, because I, you know, wasn't getting paid, I was like, whatever, fuck this, I can do whatever I want, so I was like smoking weed, which, if anybody has ever worked on a movie, you know, is like the worst idea ever, like, you could not go into a worse place when you're high, like, you don't want to go to work, and it doesn't even matter if you're getting paid or not, like, the only place I could imagine that would be worse than that is either jail or going into some kind of battle, because like everybody's screaming or not screaming, but they're it's a very high energy. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to you don't you don't want to be stoned in that environment. And so for whatever reason, I had a lot of time sitting by the camera cart, um, and I was usually just running lenses. Um, but I was like blazed out of my mind because I went to lunch and one of my friends was working on it. He was like, "Hey, smoke this weed with me," and I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I'm an intern, I'll do it." And then, of course, I get there, and after 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, my God. I have someone talking in my ear in the walkie. I forget that I have the walkie in. <laughs> and they're like, Ian, where's that lens? And I'm like, ah, fuck. And, of course, I grab what I think is the right lens, walk halfway over there, don't remember where I'm going. Then they you know, are like, that's the wrong lens, you asshole. Um, anyways, but during some of the downtime, I read uh, Red Dragon, the entire novel, um, because I had a lot of downtime, which is not usually normal for working on a movie. But anyways. Well, um, camera department. Take, yeah. Take yeah. a little naps. Yeah, exactly. I was just, you know, pretty much I was sitting there, and I, I don't even know. I guess I would technically be considered a utility on that. But, but anyways, I, I read that novel while I was working on the movie, and it was uh, not a good choice when you're stoned. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a lot of bad choices were yeah, made that was. day. Yeah, it was. I was young, and I was stupid. Um, That's how you learn. Yeah, so you can cut that whole story out, by the way, if you want. <laughs> it was long, sorry. It's okay. Um, and then, of course, uh, if we move up here... Um, we could just briefly mention the Peter Weir uh, drama adventure Mosquito Coast starring Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren, River Phoenix. Peter Weir, of course, um, did Dead Poets Society and Picnic at Hanging Rock. He's an Australian filmmaker, does really excellent movies. Let's go with another big one here. Uh, seeing... School Days? Oh, yes, absolutely. That is a great film worth mentioning. Is that the uh, the Atlanta University complex? I don't know which schools 
um, they filmed at, uh, but yeah, they've probably uh, in that area. Yes. Historic black colleges are. Yes, absolutely. And that is an excellent film. If nobody's seen that uh, early Spike Lee movie, super awesome, funny, depressing, uh, really great. Yeah, it's got uh, Tisha Campbell Martin, who's really awesome in every movie I've seen her in. And, of course, she was uh, in the television show Martin, starring Martin Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Um, And Giancarlo Esposito, who's been in a lot of really great genre films, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, Yeah, and it's a musical. It's a really fun movie. So highly recommend that to anybody who's listening to this and wants to watch a cool Georgia genre musical what about They Live? I don't yes. think I realized. Yeah. Is the whole film shot here or just no. a portion? There is the church that Rowdy Piper goes into and finds the, the glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That church is here. I don't know why. It's like the interior of the church? I don't even know. I don't know whether it's the outside or the inside. I have no idea, but that's that's all I know. <laughs> Interesting. John really? Carpenter, maybe he had, you know, like a friend here. He just like yeah, popped yeah. pop down and yeah. shoot a little. One shot. Yeah. One shot. Um, so then we got, of course, as we mentioned, Sleepaway Camp 2, um, which one of my old bosses said he worked on. Um, that was all. <laughs> and, of course, Cops is on this list. Yes. Shot in Atlanta for yes. a number of years. In the heat of the night. It looks like, yeah, like TV kind of starts to pop up. It's more like music documentaries and stuff. It seems like there was kind of a big boom for a while. Yeah, 1986 when R.E.M. came on the scene, a bunch of documentaries happened a michael a simpson uh movie from 1989 called fast food which of course starred uh ernest but you know not playing ernest he plays like a burger mogul and i remember it specifically i might be confusing it with another uh kind of like 80s sex comedy um but i remember this movie coming on hbo really late at night one night and the theme song is called hamburgers born in america <laughs> and it's kind of like a bruce springsteen heartland rock sort of song you might want to check it out it's pretty fun that sounds great i, I remember uh laughing really hard when i was like eight or nine years old i saw that um it's a good one to so look that up yeah drop it in the credits of course this is definitely worth mentioning um uh the thomas j wright uh directed um hulk hogan film no holds barred which has a tie into Atlanta because WWF was based here for quite a while, and they shot most of the um, wrestling matches here. Um, so WWF was based out of here. Their studio was here for a while. I think they wound up moving down to Florida eventually. But when that was like reaching its popularity, they decided to do an action sport film uh, starring Hulk Hogan. And, of course, um, starring—oh, God, I'm not going to remember— his name, uh, but the villain is played by the villain from um, Friday. Is um, his name he, Tiny? Yes, in the, that's, in the movie, that's his name it. Is Tiny, but what's his real name? Tommy Tiny Lister. Yes, thank Tiny, you. Yeah, okay. Yes, he plays Zeus, mm-hmm. and he's yes. the he's the uh, the villain in the film. And I just remember, I don't remember anything about that movie other than there's a part where either Zeus or Hulk Hogan picks a guy up. And he makes him shit, shit his pants. And the guy's <laughs> like, he says, Dookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, what's that smell? <laughs> Dookie. Dookie. Um, Isn't that also in Caddyshack when there's in the pool? That's correct. Somebody the little yells, girl screams somebody yells Dookie. Dookie. Or is yeah. Duty. Yeah. <laughs> Duty, Dookie, you know. Of course, that takes us to, even though it's not a genre film, it's worth noting Driving Miss Daisy, 
um, by uh, Bruce Beres Bre Bresford. I don't know. I'm sure we all remember the lovely day that that movie was filmed here. <laughs> Well, it's like based like partially on true events too. The like bombing of the temple on Peachtree. Yes, is the that church she attends in it. Certainly not a shocker that it was filmed here. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot of the. It's like glory comes after that. A lot yeah. of those kind of like you know historic set piece southern stories. Absolutely. Um, so now we're getting into the '90s. Blood salvage. But <laughs> that sounds like a typo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Twisted tale about a crazy preaching redneck named Jake who kidnaps people off the highway and performs sick medical experiments on them. Hmm. Whoa. Sounds pretty great. Might be worth looking into. Vampire cop. Um, <laughs> Freeze, I'm a cop. <laughs> Got another uh, Italian movie which has no English title called Il Ragazzo uh, del Mani Diac. I can't pronounce that. Um, <laughs> Look it up. Yeah, I'm sure that was accurate. Uh, starring Antonio Sabato Jr., um, Kevin Foster is a new teen who arrives to a small town. A dance competition takes place on Kevin's first night out. He approaches the most gorgeous girl, and I assume trouble ensues because of that. Uh, basket Case 3 oh, is yes. uh, one of my favorite movies. Yes. When the Basket Case family expands. Oh, yeah. Frank Hennenlauter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a great movie. Great. I, I watched that fairly recently, and um, I had a friend uh, that I was watching it with, and they were talking about some of their buddies that actually worked on that movie, and they were talking about what a blast that was and what a relief sure. it was to work with Frank Hennenlauter because he was actually a really relaxed, nice person, and uh, they were used to people from L.A. screaming at them, and this <laughs> Frank Hennenlauter was just excited to be making a fucking movie and that he got funding. So. That's awesome. It's a, it shows. That's a really fun movie. Child's Play 3. Yes. We had some play here in Atlanta or in Georgia somewhere. My Cousin Vinny. Oh, yeah. Uh, damn, yeah, that is one definitely of note, absolutely, which... Uh, was filmed, um, I think it was filmed out by Rutledge, too, a little bit um, in that kind of between Atlanta and Athens area. It's a good movie. Pet Cemetery 2. Ah, yes, which, if I remember correctly, is still directed by uh, Mary Lambert, um, who, she did the first one. I, I don't even remember if the second one's good. I know the first one's incredible, and Mary Lambert actually did this amazing amazing thriller called Siesta um, with Ellen Barkin that she shot in Europe. And it's like, if anybody's listening, highly same thing. You could probably find it streaming or something. It's kind of like Memento. Uh, I feel like almost like maybe um, Christopher Nolan saw that movie. This woman wakes up in an airfield behind an airport covered in blood like in a nightie and has no idea how she got there. And then the whole film is her piecing together like what happened and it's fucking awesome and you know goes to the ending and then you're like oh my god it wasn't she wasn't just taking a nap no <laughs> so it seems like you know from 1991 to 1993 not a lot going on in the genre world yes a couple of cheeky comedies it looks like um but then robocop 3 yes of course which we talked a little bit about before robocop saves the day once more this is like a, a downtime for Atlanta where it resembled like post-apocalyptic Detroit. Yes. Before the yeah. Olympics. Right before, yeah, yeah they yeah. cleaned it up for... Actually may have already started even doing some construction for that, which is always a good look for 
desolation. And um, uh, of note for the film, directed by Fred Decker, who uh, wrote and directed Monster Squad. Mm. Um, really great movie. And he also did uh, the film Night of the Creeps, which is another really great yeah. 80s zombie film uh, that's very um, homage-laden kind of movie. A lot of the characters are named after film directors and stuff like that. So really great movie. And, of course, I remember when I first got here in 1997, a lot of the punk kids I was hanging out with, some of the older ones had stories about being post-apocalyptic, like punk rock extras in RoboCop 3. Cool. So if you watch RoboCop 3 and there's some punk rockers, like, you know, rough-looking street dudes, those were the... Uh, people from the Atlanta punk scene in 1993. Actually, so. casting legitimate street We need punks. real punks, okay? Yeah. You can tell if it's a fake punk. I think another one notice, uh, of note is uh, California with a K, starring Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis, yeah. um, about kind of a serial killer couple. This movie is of note. Before I even knew that it was filmed here, I was watching it when I was living in Grant Park, in the very opening scene, Brad Pitt throws a cinder block off of a bridge into a car's windshield and kills the guy while he's driving. And for anybody who lives in Atlanta, it is the uh, DeKalb Avenue uh, Boulevard Bridge. Oh, okay. Um, I that, drive there every day. <laughs> yeah, when you go down into... Uh, the Boulevard Tunnel. It's, yeah, yeah, into Cabbage Town, Reynolds Town. The bridge that he was standing on was DeKalb Avenue, and he throws the brick through the guy's window. So if it's a rainy night and you're driving there, be careful if you see a stringy-haired white guy on top of the bridge. Yeah, beware of Brad Pitt. Go ask him for his autograph because it's probably Brad Pitt. Yeah, if there's a very handsome man standing over the overpass. I wonder, um, have you ever heard of the movie Blast? Blast? No. It's, I don't know how much of it they filmed in Georgia, but it's a movie like capitalizing on the like die hard and Olympics craze. It takes place at the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta, uh, starring Rucker Hauer as like, a janitor. And it's like a terror, like the terrorists ca- kidnap the uh, U.S. women's swim team. You are blowing my mind right now. I have no idea. Blast. Uh, yeah, it's insane. And like it's just like a like a cash grab. And it's also like not the Olympics. It's like, you know, the world's games. The world's games. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's something. I think the whole movie is on YouTube. But I recently found out about it and was like Damn. really shocked. It also seemed really insensitive because there was a bombing during the 1996 yeah. Olympics. And that's not what the movie is about. Yeah. yeah was uh, this made after the Olympics? I think they were filming it during because it came out in 1997. Mm. Oh, I did not know also. Dipping back just a little bit, I did not know they filmed part of Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Oh, here, which is a great movie with, of course, John Leguizamo, Wesley Snipes, and Patrick Swayze. Great movie. (laughs) Also, Independence Day was filmed partially here. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, it seems like in the '90s, like the production really kind of started cranking out here. You know, we're in 1996 with Fled. Of course. Lawrence Fishburne and Stephen Baldwin buddy cop yes. or buddy prisoner movie. Uh, that it, this is only number six hundred thirty-five on the list <laughs> out of six thousand movies. So, wow. in eighty-six years of movies being made here, it's barely scratching the surface. Yeah, yeah. Especially, obviously, once the tax credit um, went through in 2008, I believe. Seven, eight. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe we'll have to do like a part two where we cover like past 
past the 90s, the 90s and beyond. Yeah, that would be, yeah, I would, I would like that. That'd be cool. I think <laughs> this is a pretty good point to kind of leave it for a part two, I think. Okay. Because, you know, 1996 being a big turning point for Atlanta and for Georgia. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Thanks for coming on, Ian. Yeah, I feel like absolutely. I've gotten a whole education. You made some really great recommendations. Thank you. Uh, if there's one movie you have to see of everything we talked about today, what is it? One movie that you have to see that was made in Atlanta. I, I got to say Sharky's Machine, honestly. That's the one that I, I'm the most proud of, uh, even though I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> and I was probably not even, which came out in like 80 or 81, so I was either not born or uh, one years old. Um, anyways, yeah, I would have to recommend that to anybody. It's got a great intro song, Street Life, which was used at the beginning of uh, Jackie Brown, too. Yeah, it's um, the same version. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. If you're a fan of Dirty Harry or The French Connection or anything like that, it's a good, gritty crime film. And also, it's got uh, Henry Silva, um, who is a really bizarrely faced... I know that might sound insensitive, but the dude looks fucking weird. Looks like a bad guy. And uh, he played a lot of bad guys in a lot of movies. And particularly why earlier I forgot about noting the kind of weird Italian crime film tie-in. Henry Silva, for whatever reason, was very popular with Italian filmmakers. And they would fly him over here, or over, over to Italy to be in these movies. And he plays a bad guy in a lot of Italian crime films, too. Um, they would just dub his lines in Italian or whatever. He would just speak English. Um, so, anyways, yeah, Sharky's Machine, check it out. And if I had to do a number two as an alternate, I would say The Sender. That movie's excellent. Awesome. I can't wait to check that one out. I haven't seen it. So Yeah, same. Well, uh, yeah, well, thanks for coming and sharing some of your uh, Georgia film wisdom with us. Thank you and, all. Uh, for- I, I learned, definitely learned... From you and you. I mean, I learned, thank you. <laughs> Y'all taught me, too. This was an experience uh, yeah. that I really enjoyed a lot. Yeah. Uh, check out the list. Of course, might be a great way to listen to this if you were looking at the list as we were talking about it. But, uh, <laughs> it's a nice companion. Got a link yeah. in the show notes so you can check that out and uh, find your new favorite Georgia film. Until um, next time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Woo. The Hollywood Land Podcast is a production of the Hollywood Film Festival. Our engineer is Paul Katzman. Our theme music is by Jeffrey Butzer and the Compartmentalizationalists. For more information about the Yollywood Film Festival, visit our website at yollywood.org. If you're a fan of the podcast, give us a share. Be sure and subscribe, and please rate us on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with us, shoot us an email at podcast at yollywood.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.